Listener supported. WNYC Studios. So many white guys. So many. So many white guys. So white. How much whiteness? All over the place. God damn. Welcome to So Many White Guys from WNYC Studios. I'm your host, Phoebe Lynn Robinson, and with me as always is my ride or die, my number one honey, my top queen, my everything, Joanna Salataro. Like for a second, you were going to run out of nice things to say, and you managed to keep the train going. And I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, we're right on time. How are you? I heard you crunching on some chips earlier. You know what? I'm waiting for my breakfast. So I thought I have it a moose bouche of Lay's <laughs> <laughs> chips. Nothing like a pre breakfast, a moose bouche of some fried taters. <laughs> um, every day I've been having egg white, turkey, bacon avocado sandwich with mayo. Are you running a marathon? What are you doing? Yeah, it's like definitely an athlete's breakfast for an unathletic person. Did you ever do sports growing up, Joan? I was on B-team volleyball in ninth grade. My volleyball coaches were this married couple, and they hated each other. (laughs) And the thing is that all of the issues in their marriage would, like, percolate when they were, like, well, I thought we were going to start with this drill first. They're like turning this into Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, and you guys are like, can we just like set and spike, please? <laughs> Wait, so Phoebe, really quickly, like, what is the plot of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? I don't know it. Oh, fuck. Okay, I saw this four years ago. So it is three acts. That's play terminology. Um, and there's a intermission (laughs) killing it crushing it already so basically the plot is this is married couple George and Martha and they are they have kind of like a tumultuous marriage and they do like a lot of like psychological you know games with each other that can be awkward for people oh my god this is just like my volleyball coaches (laughs) (laughs) they invite this young couple over to their house And then basically George and Martha, like, read each other the filth in front of this young couple who's like, is this what marriage is like? Georgie boy didn't have the stuff. Stop it, Martha. Like hell I will. Martha, like, shares, like, an embarrassing story about George that he, like, shares an embarrassing story about her. And they're basically like, you a hoe. No, you a hoe. Like, I don't remember exactly what they say, but basically they're like. (laughs) No, I think I know about that quote from the play. (laughs) So basically, it's the reality TV of theater. Yes. You kind of learn, like, throughout the play that one of their biggest scenes, like, they never had a child. And so it's, like, sad. Oh, wait, no, or maybe they did have the kid. Phoebe, we have to wrap this up. We have to get out of the studio soon. I'm not done. So listen, listen, listen. No, I think what's happened is they... they pause they did have a son and i think george knows that 
the son died, but Martha doesn't know yet. And so he has to, like, tell her. So I think he eventually tells her in some sad-ass way, or he, like, via messenger himself. And then I think they just—it's just, like, depression. Or— or, or or what if or it, no it, what? So this is. No, this is. Listen, okay. I finally I remember. Okay, so what it is is the sun is fictional. They they learned early on in their marriage that they they can't have kids, oh. and then that's and then they say like who's afraid of Virginia Wolf or something. <laughs> I love this synopsis. This is like the reading rainbow of plays. You're like, but don't okay. take my word for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, should we get to some commercials, Joni? I think it's time. All right, bye, cute bye. Yeah. Hey, honey bunches of hoes. That's hoes spelled the French way. I'm sorry to come out of commercial and be ignorant straight up top, but you know what? It's 2018. New Year, same trash. In the studio with me is a woman who, like LaCroix, is hard to categorize. Is it water? Is it just bubbles that make me fart during my 45-minute ride on the express in train? Is it a hipster's wet dream? You know what? It's all the above. I'm beyond thrilled to have one of my favorite and most underrated humans on the planet kicking it with me today. She's a rapper. She's an actress, a brand, a journalist, and truly a star in the making. Her government name is Nora Lum, but y'all probably know her better as rapper and internet celeb Aquafina. My veg make your girl panties cream. Yo veg spreads hepatitis C. And my veg, a chrome Range Rover. Yo veg hatchback 81 Toyota. On the tales of an acclaimed rap career, this year Aquafina is appearing in two big budget summer films. That's right, not one but two. First up, Ocean's 8 with people like Mindy Kaling and freaking Rihanna or Rihanna, however you prefer to say it. Her second movie is Crazy Rich Asians with an amazing cast led by Constance Wu. You know what? I'm going to stop building it up. I'm just going to let you listen to it. Jojo, hit it, honey. That would be my pleasure. Aquafina's a genius and her vagina is 50 times better than a penis. Aquafina. Yeah. And Nora. All those things. Yeah. What can I call you? Aquafina, Nora, what do you prefer? You can call me Nora. Okay, so I love your voice. Oh, you're the only person that's ever said that about my voice. What? I sound like a man, Phoebe. Let's just, let's just get it out. <laughs> no, it's not that. You just I just love it's like kind of like husky, like you it's know, great. I love it. There's you know the people that like the pineapple uh gummy bear? Those that's are me. the people that like my voice. <laughs> my voice is a huge source of insecurity for me. It's always been the truth is, is ever since I was little, people thought I was a man. 
When really? I was seven years old, oh, they they thought and I was an old man. This is what you sounded man. like at seven. I sounded like exact, maybe even deeper at seven. <laughs> I was a weird kid. Like people don't, but I will say that about my voice, it is very authoritative. Like if I really use it, yeah. Um, and and it takes people by surprise. Like I've definitely scared people. Well, I love your voice. I think Dang. it's fantastic. And before we go any further, let's like start with the basics for people who don't know. You are 29 years mm-hmm. old. When was your birthday? June 2nd. Okay, so you're going to enter the 30s. I'm 33. Okay. Are you scared about anything entering your 30s? Yeah. Like what? <laughs> I'm scared. You're like, yeah. <laughs> you know, when I was in my early 20s, I looked at my apartment, you know, with just like semen stains on the walls mm-hmm. of men that I don't even remember, you know. <laughs> Just like target lamps, but broken. Mm-hmm. So then you had to duct tape, you know, a clip-on lamp. Yeah. You know, my couch is has filled with feces, <laughs> feces, and you know, just a lot of newspapers. And then I go to my friends' houses that are in their thirties, mm-hmm. and they are living like kings and queens. There's a shift that happens. There is a housing shift. Yes. And I feel like I cannot match that housing shift in my 30s that I will be living a 20s existence. I think you'll get it. I, I have my Dyson vacuum cleaner hung to my wall and every night I... That's, you got a Dyson? <laughs> I will shave my head bald for you right the fuck now. <laughs> um, I, I, don't live a, I don't live in a nice apartment. I'm scared of 30s. I think I want 30 to mean something for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to feel like... I did stuff and that, you know, my apartment isn't covered with, you know, feces of all kinds of different animals. You can you can change that today. (laughs) Like you don't have to wait till 30. You should get the feces out. Yeah, I should get the feces out. (laughs) Okay, but you are from Queens. Yes. Which you got to rep Queens. I got to rep Queens. Yes. Got to rep Queens. Yeah. And are you single? Because I like to know everyone's dating status. I'm definitely like cuffed up. Oh, it's hard for me. I've never really not. I never really been single as Aquafina because I went from one four year relationship that leaked into Aquafina to this one immediately oh. after. But like, I really do wish I could take advantage of you know like the fans, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just getting all that sweet strange. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Just like you know, hey. <laughs> also, some there's some gangster Koreans out there that I definitely Ooh. never had never dated, yeah. but would w- wish to. Now they they finally would date me. This yeah. like isn't even work at this point. I'm just la- I'm just here enjoying you being awesome. But okay, I want to get back on track. So okay. you're from New York mm-hmm. and you like to rep hard. So you wrote a travel book about oh, yeah. New York oh, yeah, City, did, yeah. which is like amazing. And in it, you gave advice to like tourists and people like me who live here yep. about best places to pee, pee, among other things. Yeah. So how did that? Why did you choose that as something you wanted to focus on? And, like, what's the best place still to pee in New York? Because I hang out with a lot of white girls. And let me tell you about the white girl bladder. Okay, it's not a normal bladder. Okay, their bladders were not built. It's so true. Their bladders are not built for the real world, right? Yeah. It's like you had so many chances to pee. (laughs) Why do you have to pee right now? There's always that one person that wants to pee, Mm -hmm. right? So where do you pee? Courthouses. Courthouses. And police stations. I would never go into either of those places. I would be scared. Go but did like, you know that it, you can legally, they're open to the public and it is a law that they have oh. to let you drain your vagina in that <laughs> building. They cannot turn anyone away. Color, creed, sexual preference. You have uh, every right to pee in a courthouse. Okay. So being like a native New Yorker, like I know like New York gets like a lot of like 
hate or like people just like over glamorize it like what's the one thing you think people most like misunderstand about new york city i think what people most misunderstand about new york city is that the people that actually live there and the communities that are formed there are not um like little we're not nothings like we mm-hmm. built new york city new york city is not yours you know and so i don't necessarily have a problem with people coming here because gentrification Gentrification in some ways is a pretty new thing, but the the idea of people coming to New York to find a better life is as old as like thoroughly modern Millie. People have been doing that since like ever. So, you know, you can't say that like don't come to my city anymore because that's what New York is. What I don't like it is when they come, when they break up neighborhoods, Mm -hmm. when they shut people out, when they drive up rent prices, and then the attitude of feeling like this is my city and completely just, you know, just marking off everyone that actually lives here and that had to grow up here because growing up here is a lot different than coming here as an adult when you have money and like you're able to live like, you know, you see a lot of shit in the city. Like, and it's, and you know, you do feel like I feel like I did miss out on like a childhood where I had a football team and I went to prom and like I had a prom, but it was on a boat. That just w- circled around the I was fucking on a boat East too. River. Yeah, just circled yeah. around the East River. Everyone yeah. was nauseous. I was dying. <laughs> um, yeah, but I wish I had like a normal, you know. So yeah, we have so much to talk about because right. you're a rapper, you're an actress, yes. you had your talk show, yeah. talk. You're on Girl Code. You've been in movies, but I want to start with your rap career. So you started when you were 17, writing your own rap. So how did you get into rap music? I got into rap music at a a very young age. So my junior high school is when I really got into it. But into it in a way where, like, the thong song had just come out and it was, like, the biggest song. Mm -hmm. And, like, I think around 12 or 13, I got, like, I went to Radio Shack and I got a boombox that had a microphone input. And you could put in cassettes and tape yourself. So I would print out the lyrics from my the first song I did this to was... um, the Nelly song, like, I'm a sucker for cornrows and parasucos. That one. Yeah. yeah, that one. So I printed out the lyrics that I would record on the boombox, and that's how I first got into it. So, like, I loved rapping. I just, like, I loved it. I loved that. But then, like, when I got to high school, I discovered underground rap. So I discovered, like, Jurassic 5, De La mm-hmm. Soul, People Are On The Stairs, Talib, Most Def. Like, this song called Above The Clouds by Gangstar that had, has no curse words in it. I remember that I was really moved by that as a teenager. And then, like, as I was graduating, I got a MacBook, and it had GarageBand in it, and I really loved making hip-hop beats. So I started producing, and that led me to producing to Logic and then to Ableton, and um, by the time I was in college, I would be up all night producing. So, you know, it was such a bedroom hobby of mine that I was so embarrassed to tell people. I was just like, I just got to do it. So I wrote my vag when I was sitting on my bed. I wrote it as I went. And you were um, 19, right, when you wrote that? I was 19, yeah. yeah. And when I was 24, someone found it. And they wow. convinced me to put it up, yeah. That's so awesome. And so, like, what did your family think? Because I think, like, I know if I were a parent and my kid was, like, 17 and, like, I, I want to do music, I would just be, you just think the worst about the music industry. So was your family just kind of like, oh, this is just, like, a side hobby? Or were they, like, really encouraging? Or were they, like, don't, don't do music? Yeah, I mean, my family, like, my, so I come from a pretty non-traditional Chinese family, mm-hmm. um, not even for Asian people, but just like, f- like for instance, I was raised by my grandma. So my mom passed when I was four. My grandma stepped in and, and raised me. And I think like 
it's very dangerous when a grandma raises a child because Mm -hmm. grandmas know no boundaries. You know, if I was a heroin addict, my grandma would be the one like going out there to get me more heroin (laughs) because she doesn't want to see me go through withdrawals. Like that's how of an enabler and a spoiler she was. Yeah. So my grandma supported me from the jump. But when I started to do like Aquafina, my dad just really didn't wasn't into it. Like Mm -hmm. he really wanted me to be something great, like a sonogram technician. And (laughs) um, I couldn't. And, you know, and so like he didn't take it seriously until he found me one day at work. He was just surfing and I was on the front page of New York Magazine (gasps) because they wrote this an article with a kind of a trolley headline that was like, can an Asian woman be taken seriously in rap? And it just got so many clicks that it made it somehow to like the front page. And he couldn't believe it. And he went to his coworker and he was like, that's my daughter. And his coworker was like, your daughter's Aquafina? Because his coworker was like a young Korean dude. Yeah. So he didn't, he thought that I was crazy. But my grandma, like to this day, will be like, you need to make songs that are as good as my vag because they're really not killing it. <laughs> like my grandma like literally tells me that my vag was the best song I'll ever make. And I probably won't ever match it. So. Okay, so my vag has, I think at this point, two million views on YouTube. And which is amazing. And I think a a lot of times people think like, oh, YouTube success, like that's not like real success. But for me, I feel like that's just a testament to like your skill set and your talent and you know how to reach people. Like how do you think my vash coming out helped boost your career? I mean, I was at the YouTube offices just yesterday and I remember saying at some point throughout the meeting that like you guys made my career. Mm -hmm. You know, YouTube's whether people want to whatever their subjective definitions of success are, I think that, like, the important thing to realize that in this generation is that one video of a lizard eating its own tail it will get 150 million times more views mm-hmm. than one episode of an a million-dollar show on cable TV. Yeah. So, you know, whether or not, like... And that's the beautiful thing about YouTube. They called it Asian Hollywood because Asian people were not allowed to have their own shows. They were not allowed to perform music on TV. So they had to go to YouTube. And from there, they got billions of views. So, you know, even with YouTube, like, I owe everything to that platform and to the way um, that, you know, people pop off in, you know, these years that that was my career. So, you know, without it, like, I don't know where I'd be. And I think it's interesting because, you know, now I'm doing movies Mm -hmm. and all that, but they still, you know, everything is based off of that YouTube video. Okay, so before you got into entertainment, I know you were you started rapping pretty young, but you had like some pretty regular day jobs. Like you worked at a vegan bodega, which I didn't even know existed. Yeah. How long did you work there and where is it? Because my parents are vegan. I will have them go there. Oh, okay. (laughs) What's the name of it? It's called the Brooklyn Standard. So what did you do there? I was a checkout girl. You were? Yeah. Was yeah. that like your first like proper job? My first proper job was at a video store when I was 16. That's oh how I met the director God. of my badge. I Kate Hudson used to come in. Bjork came in once. I thought she was an Asian lady. And then I realized it was Bjork. <laughs> and I was like, I can't check her out. I can't check her out. I can't. Yeah. Yeah. And so after that, I went to college. And then I worked for um, an air conditioning company, like doing invoices. I didn't know what I was doing. I was right. just putting numbers in. Yeah. I literally, I didn't know. And then... After that, um, I worked for a book publisher as a publicity assistant. So what is that like? Because we're both on the other side of publishing, but I've never been in like, was you know, that fun? I did that job for two years. I still don't know. <laughs> it was tight. I don't even know what publicity means. I don't even know what a publicity does. 
<laughs> I feel that way because I was a legal assistant. I don't know how I ended up being a legal assistant at an internet company, but I I was like, the only thing you know about law is like Ally McBeal and Law and Order. Exactly. Like, that's all I, and I still, that's all I know. I still, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know anything about law. You know what I mean? I was a terrible worker. I had no, I never found satisfaction. I was so envious of like mm-hmm. all my other office work, high school friends that like, were so happy and like felt like they had a purpose and like you know they were being called at night and they're like I shouldn't be working this late. Yeah. It's like I wish I was working that late. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I was needed. You know. Yeah. Do you feel like you found your purpose now? Oh yeah. Oh, oh good. yeah. I feel like soul satisfaction in everything I do. Yeah. Like right now, Aww. I feel satisfied in my soul. This is dope. Yeah. You have a great life. I mean, yeah, I guess. I mean, minus the feces in your couch. I have a lot of feces and <laughs> semen. No, she doesn't. Don't call the cops on her, okay? Don't so. call the cops. <laughs> call me a cleaning service. <laughs> okay, so you were awarded the Female Breakout Award at the Unforgettable Gallup. Yes. And I really love this one quote from your speech because you talked about like growing up with like little representation in mm-hmm. film. And you said, when you don't see girls that look like you, it makes your dreams seem impossible. So how did you then like... Like, what was your motivation to get into entertainment if you didn't have, like, necessarily, like, so many examples to choose from? And, like, what did you watch that kind of kept you inspired and made you feel like, I have a shot in this, even though there's not a lot of people who look like me? Well, when I was little, I remember watching movies like Air Bud mm-hmm. and, like, like when I was little. Like, when yeah. I was, like, eight or nine, I would watch Air Bud and, like, even Goosebumps, like, mm-hmm. like the series. And I would look at the child actors and be like, I can do so much better yeah. than these little idiots. <laughs> and I was the same age. But Air Bud's white. So you can't be an Air Bud, right? Yeah. So that, that I remember that. But then, like, in a more woke area, like, watching Margaret Cho really inspired me in, like, so many ways. Because, like, just seeing her was just so powerful because she was unashamed. And mm-hmm. I think, like, that was really important for me to see. And she was so American that you can't question her Americanness, which is something that happened to me a lot. Like, people just didn't understand that I was American. I got put in ESL for almost a year. What? Right? And then finally the teacher was like, you speak perfect English. Yeah. Like, you don't need to be in ESL. But it's like, it was also like, you know, it's, it's just, you just, you if you don't, if you don't see it, you can't imagine it. Mm-hmm. And I just think that the same thing went for like, when I actually did become Aquafina and I put that video on, like people wonder why it got so many hits. And it wasn't because people were like, this is so good. They wanted to see it. Yeah. They wanted to see like an Asian woman that's that's behaving this way. And um, it worked, you know, it, it, it literally, it, ha- it worked because there was so little of us. Yeah. yeah. And so... When you look at, because when I look at it now, I know it's great because, you know, there are more people of color working than ever. But when I look at Hollywood, sometimes I still feel like not that much has changed. Do you feel like it's changed since you like started acting and getting more like high profile parts? Or do you still feel like this is kind of rough? I think that there is an urgency that was started from um, the people Mm -hmm. and not from the industry that that demanded representation of people that looked like them. Mm -hmm. And I think that like in in more recent years, like whitewashing actually became something relevant that actually reached the higher levels. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you can have a little movement of like wanting something that'll never really penetrate. It'll never happen. It's just like you can talk about on Facebook. But I think like whitewashing really actually hit finally. And so what I see now in Hollywood is this kind of urgency mm-hmm. um, to make people happy. 
But what I want to see is them doing it with good intentions and not with intentions that like, oh, checklist, we have an Asian, checklist, we have a Latina. I don't think that's authentic. And I think that it actually sets us back because it it implies that we're a trend. Mm -hmm. So like in future movies, it might actually be a trend that it's not cool to have an Asian side character because it's too obvious. Right. You know, I think that like we are progressing in that like no one wants to watch an all white one-dimensional movie that doesn't represent America in 2017 and 2018, Mm -hmm. no one wants to watch it. So, like, Hollywood will suffer. So if Hollywood gives us what we want to watch, like, get out. You know what I mean? Like, I bet you Hollywood, if you pitched that movie, they would have no idea that would be an Academy Award-winning movie. Yeah. And so what do you want to, like, change? Because you're going to have a big year coming up because you have Ocean's 8 coming out and Crazy Rich Asians. Like, what are some stories that you want to see on the big screen that you haven't seen yet? I want to see um, an Asian lead, mm-hmm. uh, female, and I'm not even saying that I need a job. And I want to <laughs> see, I want to see an Ingrid goes west with an mm. Asian American lead. That would be delicious. Yeah. Or a Mexican American lead. Yeah. You know, I want to see like an American story that doesn't have to deal with like all the rest of your identity that's just American you know Mm -hmm. what I mean like I think it's possible to have an Asian American movie that like doesn't have to have a dumpling scene that doesn't have to have a dim sum scene you know I think like you can tell those stories now and you know the the trick is is how do you sell them yeah so you have Ocean's 8 and Crazy Rich Asians and I'm really excited to see both of these but I first I want to talk about Ocean's 8 Mm. so this is you Rihanna Mindy Kaling Sandra Bullock, Kate Blanchett, mm. and Hathaway. Who else am I forgetting? Helena. Yes, and Sarah Paulson. Yes. That is amazing. I know, it's an acid trip. What was it like being on a set with, like, their eight female leads? That's so fucking dope. I can't remember the last time I've seen that. Yeah, I mean, actually, me neither. Yeah. Um. Well, I think before I started shooting, I would have these... The, I'm a very neurotic person, so I'd have these waking nightmares that, like, I would say something weird, you know, or, like, do something weird, you know, maybe, like, gasp, but it, it sounded like gasp, but it sounded like a fart, but it wasn't a fart. Yeah. <laughs> just the chair. <laughs> it was just the chair. Um, so, like, I was really scared that something weird would happen, but then, you know, you build it up and you build it up. I, they're idols. I've been watching them since I was a kid, you know, like... So when you finally meet them, though, it's actually surprising how humanizing that experience it makes them. Yeah. And then also that, like, you know, I was I was taken aback by, like, how warm they were, that mm. they almost made me feel like I was their equal. It's like we became close, you know? And yeah. I really got over that fear, like, because if you put people on a pedestal and you're like, oh, my God, can I have a picture? Like, you know, if you put that away, you actually are able to have, like, real interactions mm-hmm. and, like, are able to understand people on, like, a different level, you know? Yeah. And then we're going to see Ocean's 8, which comes out when? Um, June. June. And then we're going to see Crazy Rich that Asians, which August. comes out when? That was fun. Because I love Constance Wu, so I was already sold once yeah, I heard Constance the two of you were amazing. in it. I mean, everything about it, it felt like adult summer camp. You're in an Asian country that you've never been in before with a bunch of actors from different places. And there was this one time where we went out to dinner and we were celebrating someone's birthday. And I looked around and I realized that, you know, we've all, all of us have been that Asian on set. We've been Mm -hmm. that, the one Asian. um, And that dynamic didn't exist on that movie. And it was profound. It was great. I, I, I read an interview, you said that Aquafina is like a persona. So do you think it's something that's going to stay with you throughout your career? Or do you think, like, is it growing with you? Or do you think you're going to shed it kind of like, what do you think 
how does Aquafina play in your life now? Aquafina, well, the way I look at Aquafina within my specific personality mm-hmm. is that Aquafina is the girl who didn't grow up, and and I need to harness that personality to to make a fool out of myself in every like when I do in yeah. movies and everything. I have to be that because Nora is incredibly introspective, overthinking, constant worrier, like really bad pessimism, really neurotic, and you can't put yourself out there in any way Mm -hmm. if you have that personality so you know there is a certain duality in my personality and aquafina is that person who never cared yeah like if you if i have all the neuroses that i have as nora i would die like i would have a stroke on stage right but i literally black out i like black out and i just say this is it yeah so i'm that way too sometimes when i perform and i'm like oh i don't remember saying that cool okay that was funny i guess there's an aquafibi in you Oh, Aquafibi, yeah. There's an Aquafibi that comes out. You see that? <laughs> okay, so you're busy acting. You're performing all over the place. Are you going to get back into rapping? Are you going to release a follow-up album to Yellow Ranger? Yeah, so I so the music is coming out now. Um, nice. And we have a we actually have a new um, a video coming out. We, me, I. <laughs> I have a new video coming out. Um, hopefully very soon. I obviously took a break from music, and I think mm-hmm. it was important for me to do that because I wanted to find a place in rap where I felt authentic, mm-hmm. like I was doing it authentically. And I feel like the scope has changed, and I don't—I see, like, you know, how cultural appropriation plays a, a deal in, mm-hmm. in hip-hop music. And um, I want to make sure that every song that I put out um, doesn't fall into that realm yeah. and that, you know, every, all the music I make is authentic. So. Yeah. So with rap, like, it feels like it's such a, like, young person's game, you know what I mean? It is now. So how do you feel like, you know, what you're, the subject matter you're going to approach is going to be different than, like, a 16-year-old? So how do, you, how do you feel like you can still be, like, in the game and not, like, feel like, oh, like, I'm past my prime or, like, this isn't worthy of people listening to? Like, how do you, like, not focus on that? Well, Aquafina always had her own audience. Aquafina mm-hmm. never had the potential to go full mainstream. Like it just it would be impossible, you know? Yeah. And so like my my feeling now is that I'm gonna make the music with the content I want. I'm gonna drop a league of their own references. And if you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. Because what I find the most embarrassing is if I literally started to dress like Lil Pump mm-hmm. and like, you know, and like tried to make songs that sound like whatever is trending right now. Yeah. Like that's embarrassing. Yeah. You know, I'm not gonna copy the kids music because that's how i think i'm gonna make money mm-hmm. like i just got if, if, if people think my music is whack like you know th- at least i know that i was being myself and then no one can come at me being like you're just copying future you're just copying this you're just copying that yeah you know so yeah so you study jazz right yeah so would you try and incorporate some more jazz elements into your next album or do you think you're kind of like i'm trying really hard not to go into adult contemporary at right. this age <laughs> yeah. you know um like, I was about to buy an electronic trumpet for $800. I was about to. But then I realized, you know, that is so embarrassing. <laughs> to whip out a trumpet during a live rap show when everyone's turning up. When everyone is turning up to EXO Tour Life. And then you come out with an electronic trumpet. And then you play the chorus on it. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. And I refuse to do it. Um, you might make it cool. Not right. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> How about I open up a rap show with taps? How about that? How about that? I'll open up a rap show and then I'll go into summertime by Porgy and from Porgy and Bess. How about that? It will be lit. That'll be lit. 
So we'll see. I mean, I do want to. I know. I, I mean, people when people find out I play the trumpet, they're just like, "That's very weird." No, I don't think it's weird. It's a brass instrument. It's a brass. It's yeah, a brass section. Yeah, it's very brass. It's legit. It's legit. Is You're... it time to go? No. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's. <laughs> I can't no. tell if it's time. No, you're. I I adore you so much. I adore you, Phoebe. I'm a huge fan of yours. I love you so much. Uh, but I, honestly, like, I know you. We were saying off the mic that like people always say it's like this is your year, this is your year. But I'm like, I really think like it's time for someone like you. Thanks, it just Phoebe. is, and and vice versa, vice Aww. versa. No, seriously, it's true. 2018 is your year. I'm so proud Thanks, of you. Phoebe. I love your tats. Let's go get tattoos together. Oh, I'm down. What would you get? Okay, well, I kind of want... So U2 is my favorite band, so I want to oh, get... Okay, forget <laughs> your it. Face, forget it. Don't get your, it. You guys, forget it. You guys aren't here, but her face literally dropped. Forget it. Don't inches. get a tattoo, Phoebe. Forget it. It's not a good idea. Forget it. <laughs> Terrible idea. Jesus. You open up. You, <laughs> people are going to... Is it going to be a giant No, just U2? lyrics. No, just lyrics. Lyrics? <laughs> How many lyrics? Uh, <laughs> All right, bye. Bye. Okay, bye. <laughs> okay. Ooh, you know what? I want to be her. She's so funny. And I swear to you guys, the other day, my parents called me, and they were asking about Aquafina. <laughs> That's amazing. They ask about her so much, and they're like, you know what? You and Aquafina have a lot of chemistry. You should do a movie together or something. That's so fun. How did they start hearing about her? So, you know, I had this web series for Refinery29 called Woke Bay, and Aquafi and I did an episode about Justin Trudeau, and my parents were, like, ups- like they truly, like, called me. were like, that Aquafina girl is so funny. Like, they are, like, fully invested in her, and they've never met her, but they they bring her up, like, periodically. They're like, that girl is so funny. Oh, my God, that's amazing. I'm also obsessed with her voice. I know she has a very sexy voice. I oh my damn! Voice. It's literally the complete opposite of mine. I'm like, <laughs> okay, guys, we're gonna stop making fun of the way that we sound because you know what? We're beautiful just the way we are. Okay, and also this episode isn't over yet. We have so much more to get to. You know what I'm talking about? My favorite segment that I like to do. It's called Small Acts of Resistance. Doobity doo. Resist the system. Resist the man. Resist the dominant discourse imposed upon us by the establishment. Okay, so something that's new for me is mm. I just started paying for porn. <laughs> I am sick of scouring through RedTube and YouPorn to find the one out of a thousand videos where the, the woman is not clearly suffering through right. this video. It's gross. Yeah, so I like started paying for like woman-made female-friendly porn, and it's obviously – the hottest shit. Yeah. I think it's like 30 bucks a month, which is... Oh, that's great. It's like a dollar a day. Yeah. <laughs> but like, <laughs> it's only a dollar a day. It actually inspires me to jerk off more. That's cool. It's you know? so hot when that's women cool. are enjoying themselves. I'm like, I'm taking my masturbation into my own hands. LOL. <laughs> Pun intended. It's good. Yeah. All right, guys. So I think this week we should all sign up for some female-friendly porn. Pay for woo, it. Woo! 
let's get the conversation started. (laughs) (laughs) I was nervous to say that one. The So Many White Guys team includes me, Phoebe Robinson, Rachel Neal, Joanna Salataroff, Jim Poyant, Paula Schumann, Jeremy Bloom, Isaac Jones, Matt Boynton, and Joe Plord. Our theme song was written by a white dude and sung by a bunch of other white dudes. Check out photos of me and Aquafina from our interview on the WNYC Studios Facebook page. You can also follow me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter, and follow me on Instagram at Dope Queen Phoebes. Bye, Q, bye. I want to I want to read a quote back to you when you because you got awarded for a breakout artist. So I want to get this. You're so efficient. I'm like James Lipton with like one tenth the budget. So yeah, yeah that's and how way doing. hotter. Ooh, that's yes. not a compliment, Phoebe. That's uh, <laughs> that's not even a compliment. Why would you even? And it's like your your personality is way better. Oh my god, thank. Oh my god, uh, <laughs> Jesus. Uh,